Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack, coming to you from the nation's capital in Ottawa, where Benedict and I are about an hour or so removed from TD Play Stadium on Sunday and Saturday. We're also there as we witnessed two great games in two days here in Ottawa. We'll get to the CPL leg of the week soon, but we must start with the celebration tour as the Canadian women's team destroyed New Zealand five goals to one. The gold medals returned to be showcased in front of the Canadian nation as well. Um, we're all here to talk about this. Uh, let's start with a quick question off the top, rapid fire. One thing that made you smile the most from that game. Emily, you're our correspondent. I'll let you answer that one first. Oh, that's a good one, Christian. Uh, I'll say the opening, I'm going to call it an opening ceremony. Um, just, you know, having every player that was there, bar Julia Grosso and Ashley Lawrence, but just to have them each kind of get their own little individual moment. Yeah. That was nice. Nice way to kick off the game. Benedict was there, high-fiving all the fans as a paid ticket member. Uh, your favorite moment of the match, my friend? Yeah, I heard someone around me say uh, they wanted to beat Kedisha Buchanan when they grew up, and I thought that's an important thing. It sort of talks about the legacy of, of what this gold, uh, gold medal is going to do, and I thought that was a, a special moment. That's great. And you, anybody who hasn't read, read it, please do. Benedict's great piece on campio.ca yeah. about what it's like to be in, this, in the crowd and a real sense of inspiration coming from it. Uh, so many people inspired by these, by these ladies and wanting to be that, uh, something that they, they've obviously accomplished. Charlie, what about you? What made you smile? Um, I mean, obviously all the, the sentimental stuff and the, the occasion of it, but I think the biggest smile I had was that Canada's first goal was a Jesse Fleming penalty. <laughs> so they just it just felt really perfect after you know considering what we were celebrating it did it did they won they won through on penalties they got to the final on penalties <laughs> and uh yeah they started off with a penalty jesse Fleming scored a lot of penalties in they have and as i mentioned it's good that they got someone who could score score them right uh, and as i mentioned in my piece at one moment i did think for one second that maybe christine sinclair was going to take it as she reached for the ball Should have. and then i thought Nah, nah. That's, uh, how ridiculous was that thought? Because she was never going to steal the spotlight. That's just not what she wants to do. Uh, Marty, you, Marty, you're smiling. And on that thought, what was what made you smile the most on the match? Those gold numbers. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah, nice little touch. I loved it. As soon as they walked out, it's like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Something to remember by, right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Really good idea. And they kept that mm -hmm. pretty quiet as well. They kept a lot of things quiet. Obviously, the, the, uh, the, 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 the ceremony at the start and obviously coming together uh, you know, lots of different things that have been written about that, but the reason why they want to do that and start to make a change on and off the pitch, just as Janine Becky yeah. told me last week in Beyond the Pitch, where it really is more than just about being players on the pitch with this with this group of people, uh, the group group of women, women, and I say group of people because the, the backroom staff of, of who were there as well. Great to see so many of them on it as well yesterday in that moment as well. Uh, let's start with this game as we look deep, do a deep dive into the matches and we'll get into the, the big matches in the Canadian Premier League in a minute, starting with that game in Ottawa today. Um, but Emily, you're our correspondent. What did you really write about the most? What did you focus on? What really left the biggest impression on the pitch once they started kicking the ball for you? Uh, I think the scoreline. You know, we talked about the Jesse Fleming penalty already and I remember I was writing the match analysis and in the moment I was like, hmm, is this going to be another one of those situations where they get by from the spot? Um, the second goal we know is from open play, but it was off a mistake um, from New Zealand's uh, part. So, you know, Sinclair made it 2-0. And I was still kind of like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they can finally click in and score from open play. Because I did some math, and I think it was like 330 minutes, if I'm correct, where right. they had not, um, just because as we said before, uh, shootout against Brazil, 
the penalty against USA and then the shootout against Sweden and the Fleming penalty also in the gold medal. And then another penalty. So I was like, I really want to see if their attack can start clicking. Um, and eventually we did, as we saw in the second half. And it's something that Priestman and Sinclair um, spoke about. You know, they're making sure that that's a big focus, um, getting more goals in the back of the net, not from the spot. And it worked out. Um, it was nice to see them clicking in the attack. And I think their defense was on point as well. It's something that um, isn't touched upon as much. I think when you have someone like Christine Sinclair and Jeannie and Becky and um, the like. So I think their defense was on point. Uh, the attack, obviously, 5-1 pretty well pretty well done and um yeah just an overall a really well-rounded performance is how i'll sum it up yeah it's a really good way to sum it up i think emily i'll be i'll be honest i was thinking about the game as i was walking there after it took me about 45 minutes to find a place to park my car but that's a whole new story that you don't need to be bored about <laughs> is that, um, that was Street mentioned is, in your it was is, it was mentioned there and uh, in your write-up yeah i was ne- like never oh, tried we're to, just talking about a parking spot never try to drive there it's a disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, Better bank street kind of, Benedict had it all down to a T, dropped off (laughs) like a legend at the gate uh, and picked up like what the legend is as well. Um, My point being is when I was walking there, I was thinking about the the whole match itself where Bev Priestman talks about the five goals after Emily mentioned, but these games, these celebration moments, very often you think that the match really didn't matter. It had that feeling initially, but then the game starts and sometimes I'm thinking New Zealand could be really they could really get into this game because Canada, it might not be, it might be a game not thing, but as soon as the whistle started, you thought, Emily, I, I think back to you, you just knew Canada were in this to play a game as well. It wasn't just showing up with gold medals and waving to the crowd. Yeah. I mean, that was something that was discussed kind of in the post-match press conferences as well. Priestman really emphasized that sure it's a friendly. And of course we're going to make sure that it's a celebratory event, but you know, Canada's really focused on building after this gold medal, the World Cup's up next. It's coming around very quickly. Uh, wow. 2023 is not far away. So they want to take it one step further. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up this momentum throughout the entire tour. Uh, so we'll see how Tuesday goes. And goal scoring important, right? Because obviously, as you mentioned, you, you know, Janine Becky was very good. And uh, Beth, Priestman, Beth Priestman talks about the need to get goals. Benedict, as I said, you were there. I know you had a blast and a great write-up, but what was your take about overall Canada on the pitch once the game started, their performance? Yeah, I mean, already kind of touched on it. Just the, the ability to finish their chances, I think, is something this team hasn't had. We saw that during the Olympics. We saw that before the Olympics as well, uh, the She Believes Cup. And, and we kind of this, this team hasn't always been able to score the goals when they make the chances, but Adriana Leone's a, a great finisher, and she scored a couple of, of tidy finishes as well, and Christine Sinclair's goal, of course, and... Uh, just the ability to sort of take advantage of their opportunities. I think it's something that Bev Priestman's wanted and spoken about recently, and, and now she's finally getting that. Just great to see them play at home, though. I mean, Charlie, I can see yeah. you nodding along your overall thoughts watching it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think maybe one of the biggest themes around this whole celebration tour is, I, I might have might have even said this last week when we, we were talking about it, it's momentum, right? Not just, you know, off the pitch where you're, you're trying to capture this moment where they're in the news and... and everybody's heroes but it's also on the pitch because i think as as several of you have already mentioned they're still looking at that world cup right and i think even coming out of that olympic they won a gold medal but i still i think even they would say that they hadn't hit their best i think they have another gear and there there are things that they're on the pitch as well looking to improve on so i think it kind of all fits together it's all about momentum and continuing to build towards this and not really you know winning the gold medal and kind of resting on your laurels at all so i think it is really nice to see 
And again, Marty, it cannot just be about them playing far away. No, a little bit like what we talked about with Alfonso Davies coming back and having that moment in front of this Canadian team. Uh, Canadian fans for the Canadian team. Sinclair had that moment. They need those moments in front of these fans. I may just flick that back to, to Benedict because you're bang on. Like the when Sinclair came out, then obviously the goal, obviously the Fleming goal, like I'll, I'll flip it to Benedict. <laughs> How was that uh, there? Because watching it at home, it was it was such a powerful moment for people that have followed this team for so long, but I couldn't imagine how cathartic even it would feel there, right? Yeah, I mentioned this in my, in my story about the, the atmosphere there. Is when Christine Sinclair's name was called, even during warm-ups, an hour before the game, Christine Sinclair was running out of the tunnel and and the, the, the cheer was already deafening. And then it, comes, it happens again when they announce the lineup and she comes out uh, last of all the players coming out and they're counting down the players like number by number and then they skip 12 and we kind of thought okay here here we go <laughs> really and then she comes she comes out last and it's just this incredible roar coming out of the stands and it's like i said in my piece it felt about 20 years in the making and 300 appearances in the making and, and it was absolutely the goal was just the cherry on top i think like hulk hogan coming out to roll rumble you know like that just like, <laughs> it was great that that players had that moment like i, mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned it in my piece like benedict talked about it it was not just about everybody coming out, shaking hands, lining up, lining up for the anthem. Like they individually walked them out one by one and everybody got, I mean, everybody got to embrace it. Everybody got to cheer, right? I'm not going to name the ones that aren't at the top of the the mind of people, but, you know, even the, you know, the, the, the depth players who got the medals, who played a role in it. And we all know it's a, everyone plays a role in a tournament. It's not just about playing on the, on the pitch. They got their moment, their, che- their moment to be cheered on by the fans coming home in the first game since 2019. So that was really special as well. Emily, you mentioned the press conferences. What was it like to, to sit back and listen to Christine Sinclair? Because she is obviously somebody who doesn't want to talk about herself ever. Uh, so how was that? Uh, it was really good. We weren't sure exactly which player was going to come out after Priestman. Um, we waited a little bit, and then Canada Soccer said it's going to be Christine Sinclair, and I was like, okay, let's see, uh, let's see what's going to happen. Um, I mean, I've I've personally never interviewed her before, so um, it was just great to hear her speak. Uh, she spoke about multiple topics too. There were a few questions about the NWSL, um, just the team vibe, but it's just she's such a leader. And you can see just through like the way that she speaks and the way that she talks about everything. And like you said, Christian, she doesn't make sure that everything's about herself. You know, she was really talking about how even individually um, in the squad, it's just everyone has really stepped up. This is her words. Um, Everyone really stepped up. And she even said even at their club level. So, you know, she's always keeping her eye on her teammates, what they're doing across the pond in the NWSL. Who knows? But, um, yeah, she's just such a wise player, such a leader. Um, and it was just great to hear her talk about that experience, talk about that moment, and then talk about the future of the team, all kind of in the same 20-minute period. No, that's great. Certainly caught my attention. You used, you used the word wise. I think that's a really good one. You know, just watching her live again, and obviously I had the opportunity to do that you know, multiple times in the past. But quite honestly, when the pandemic hit, never thought you'd ever, didn't know it would ever happen. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's 38. You know, we don't know how long it's going to carry on, but wise is a really good way to describe um the just the intuition that she has on the pitch she just has unbelievable sense of when things are going to happen before they do i uh, just a supreme reader of the game and getting into space so uh, yeah great it was just a terrific day and it continues on tuesday night if you still wanted to go see them go montreal 
And um, by the way, I think it's pretty on the record to say that this is not the end of this celebration tour. <laughs> there will be more games to come, I believe, even in this year. So keep an eye on that for more announcements to come soon as uh, Canada wants to say, you know, celebrate more across this great country with this great team. Talking about this great country, uh, this Canadian Premier League is getting really exciting. We're getting down to the nitty gritty and we'll stay in Ottawa as we recap the weekend's games and we'll go from back to front. Um, Atletico Ottawa won, York United won. Benedict and I were there for that game and Charlie, I know you were covering it. So Charlie, I'll start with you. How did Atletico Ottawa not win this one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a really great question. Uh, they certainly don't know. <laughs> um, I think they had 21 shots. I can't imagine, I, I can't think of a game where they would have had more than that in one game because they came out of the gates in this game carving York apart yeah. for, for at least the first like half hour of this game. Just York would, would maybe try and build up slowly. They'd give the ball away and Atletico would be like fired out of a cannon. They'd be down the pitch. Ryan Telfer was really good in that first half with just these driving runs forward. Antoine Couplin, I think we're going to talk about him specifically a little bit after, but oh my goodness, that's an incredible game from him who's 17 years old playing in front of, I think he said he had like 40 to 50 of his family in the stands there to watch him play, uh, which is, is definitely a, a special moment for him to score. I think his second professional goal for the club in front of all them. Just, yeah, it's it's really, really... It felt like a day after about had half an hour of that game. It felt like this is going to be Ottawa's day. York are, York are going to be really, really upset with how they've come out of this game because it's obviously there's a lot more tangibly on the line for York who are in a playoff race and Ottawa are not. But Ottawa in their final home game of the season came out came out like a shot, and you know they it just so happened to end up that you know they conceded on the second phase of a set piece with a, a very good cross, maybe some sketchy marking. I think they got pulled out by the second phase. They thought they were going to clear the ball. and then, But honestly, other than maybe 10, 15 minutes of this game, it was all Ottawa. Yeah, yeah it, it certainly was. Those who missed it ended 1-1. Antoine Couplon in the 15th. Christophic Enser with a header, a bullet of a header in the 10 minutes from the full time. From a great cross by Nova Hooven on a bright, it was very bright, by the way, very good, and, a, and an otherwise yeah. pretty dismal yeah. York performance. Um, yeah. You know, Verhoeven and Ingham, uh, probably the best two players on the pitch for York United that day. Ottawa will probably not get any more headlines around this game. And, you know, one game to go, it obviously already out the playoffs. What can we think about this team in terms of how are they built from this? Um, Benedict, maybe I'll turn to you and get back more from Charlie on this. So you could say same old Ottawa, right? I did the numbers. 13 of their last 19 games post-bubble and scored one goal or less. I know some people we were talking to, Benedict, today, and with members of the staff, almost said it was a microcosm of the season, you know, playing well, not scoring, conceding a goal again. Um, but Benedict, you've, you've covered this team as well over the last month or so. Since they've gone to a back five, they've won two, drawn two, and lost one, outscoring the opposition 8-7. So they have made in, inroads into significant improvements. We watched them closely again today in that back five. It seems to suit them. So this has got to be something, Benedict, surely that they can build on. And maybe this back five might be something that Meester and the team can build on for 2022. Yeah, I definitely think they should. I think it brings out the best of uh, Zachary Verhoeven, especially. I think he when he gets the ball down the right side. We saw him against Max Ferrari was a was a fantastic uh, battle on the uh, left slash right side. Um, I think the back five is, is definitely the way to go. It gives a bit more defensive uh, stability in the center of the defense as well, uh, especially when you have Drew Becky there, which they didn't have today, uh, unfortunately. But 
uh, when he's there. That, that's a very solid back line, and, and Brandon John as well. And uh, he gets the best out of uh, Miguel Acosta and, and Zachary Verhoeven on the two wings. I think that, that back five is, is probably the way to go for going forward. Yeah, you mentioned it. No Becky, no John. Obviously, VT Martinez has not been there for a while either, so they're still trying to build this around. Um, you know, I guess last word on this, Charlie, before we get to York is can Ottawa really look at this as being an, an encouraging end to a season where I think the hopes were certainly higher. They did move mm-hmm. above Edmonton, so they're off the bottom for the, initially. But is there something that they can significantly build around going forward in a year they have to build, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there is definitely a lot here to work with. Um, I mean, even just the fact that they came out and they put in an effort like that, despite being mathematically eliminated. Right. You know, if you're, if you're a coach and you know that your season has been really quite challenging for you and it's been very frustrating and you're eliminated quite early on in the, in the going with a, a playoff race still raging, you could just kind of fold and, you know, maybe throw some, throw some young guys out there to see what happens, whatever. But no, Ottawa is clearly, they wanted the result today. Absolutely. Uh, and they, they are clearly still playing for things. Well, they've got one more game left, but mm-hmm. you know, I, Obviously, I think we've said it before, players are playing for jobs. And I think Mista is going to have quite a lot, from this game in particular, I think you can learn quite a bit um, about what is working, what isn't. I agree absolutely about the back five. I think that was that, that has worked really well recently. You know, Ryan Telfer, finally, this season, is starting to look as good as we know he can be. Um, actually, that is probably the case for a lot of these players. Uh, but Ottawa's season has been a funny one, I mean. The, the depth is maybe a problem for them and has been all year, but that's not really why you lose one or fail to win one game. It's it's really, really sometimes hard to hard to put your finger on. And I'm not sure what exactly this club will look like next year. I mean, I think they have a few players on loan here, so we don't know if they're going to be back. But, you know, they, they are an interesting club and there are there are a lot of good things to like about how they play football. And you, you think some some of the results could have gone either way this season and we could be talking a completely different story marty i'll turn to you on this one one of the reasons why we as a collective group our team try to get to many games as possible and i know we've been to many now is you just see different things in a game right than you do when you're watching online and you know some players you can really impress you in in, in, a, in a way coupon today and i know he got man of the match and was impressed by the broadcasters as well but you know, when you're there and you talk, we talked earlier about maybe, maybe having 40 family and friends. This was a player that got more than just his family and friends up off their seats. You know, this was a player when he got actually when he got substituted, he came off on the opposite side and walked all the way around the pitch. Mm-hmm. And just as he was walking back to the bench, everybody was like standing up and the game was carrying on and everyone was giving him a, <laughs> a round of applause, which I thought was great. Marty is 17. You know, yeah. this is what we want to see in our league, is it not? This is this was pretty special to see Mista give him a chance to shine and him deliver in a moment like that. And a player, of course, who debuted with the Fury, I believe, when he was fifteen. Right, was 15. I, I think I think he was fifteen. Yeah, um, he is growing into into a lot in this season. We're talking about that back five sort of setup, and Kuplin has been called to to play a role in that in that midfield, and he's done quite well. I think today uh, was was his best performance of them all. But he's slowly growing into something. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess next year he's eighteen, which would be uh, maybe uh, maybe he's only going to get better from here uh, once he gets that eighteen uh, year old point. He's going to be an important player for Ottawa uh, going forward for sure. 
So, so what of York? Charlie, in your analysis afterwards, you got to speak to Jim Brennan, who said, quote, for the first 45 minutes, it was terrible. It wasn't us. We were slow. We were sluggish. We were second to every ball. It took us about 60-odd minutes to get going. Uh, at halftime, we were disappointed. We knew that the players did. At halftime, we could easily go in there and start yelling and screaming, but I knew what they're going through. They're fatigued. It was a long trip up. It's a lot of games, and what we've asked of them it was about just finding that second wind and getting something out of this game and start pushing forward. Interesting tactic. Can't really argue with him on that. But let me go around here a little bit and ask you guys if there's any disagreements. I'll start with you, Emily. Which one of these tells you more about York than the other? A team that has lost two of their last 16, a team that has drawn nine of the last 14, or a team that has won three of the last 14? All facts. Which one tells you the most about them? Uh, I think I'll go with the stat on the draws. Mm. Was it, you said nine out of 14? Yeah. There, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. To me, that just says they're always in it. They're always in the mix, which is true because we can see where they sit in the table. Um, but they're not quite clinching it. It as in whoever they're playing. Um, right. You know, they could have the lead and then they could concede and then, or they have to fight back. Um, but they're still always in the mix. So that, that would be what I would take away. No, I think that's pretty the I think that's yeah. what the accurate one. I mean, Jim Brennan has been called the draw specialist of the Canadian Premier League by many people <laughs> I've spoken to. Charlie, again back to you as my correspondent on this. What do you think of those three stats? Do you agree with Emily and what do you think of York in this game? Yeah, I think the the one that probably describes them best is is drawing nine out of fourteen. But I think if they miss the playoffs, the the one that we might look at is is winning three of fourteen, especially how many times they've been in winning positions. Certainly not. Yeah. Certainly not today. But they've been in winning positions. A few weeks ago, they were in the driver's seat for that fourth playoff spot. I think they had a. I think they had about three points between them and Halifax at one point, and they've they've sort of slipped it a little bit. But yeah, I, Jimmy Brennan was quite candid about his team after this game. You know, for a coach to say that his guys were terrible for a full half of the match is yeah. not necessarily common. And yeah. you know, he's right. They were they were terrible. For that first half, especially for a team, it with their season on the line, with you know four games left, and now their last three games are two against Forge, one against Pacific. So we we did speak about this game being a must win, and they they really just did not come out in the first half with the kind of energy that they needed. Now that said, they were better in the second half. Maybe not as much better as they wanted to be or as they needed to be, but you know they're good enough to score get a result out of the game I, I think especially around maybe the 65 minute mark when they made a few more substitutions you know when sebastian gutierrez came off after coming on about half an hour into the game yeah. Yeah. which was apparently purely tactical but a very strange thing to see but uh, he came on for lowell right they went with two strikers with him and julian ulbricht and it worked a little bit better there was more energy on the pitch from york there was that little bit of fight that you kind of want to see from a team that's on the ropes and trying to make a playoff push here with very little time left in the season. So that was encouraging. It's very good to see them respond. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see Jimmy Brennan say that, you know, we didn't really talk to them at halftime because we figured that they knew. These players knew that, you know, the first half wasn't good enough. So they kind of just left it up to the players to respond to that. And I think I think in in, in some ways and to an extent they did. And they definitely got a draw out of the game, which puts them in a better position than if they had just lost on the road to Ottawa kind of lifelessly. So, you know, there is something to something to take from that heading into some really difficult games. 
Yeah, the two biggest words I take from Jimmy Brennan's quote is they're fatigued because that's oh, yeah. what they look. That's what they look yeah. like. They look like a team that is running, that has run its race, and also, still laps to go, and they don't know whether they can keep going. Sorry, carry on. It's just worth noting also in this game that York were without some of their biggest yeah, minute leaders. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah, you know, Deity yeah. Absey was suspended. Who Johnson, I think is their minutes Wilson. leader. Jordan Wilson was out. Who yeah. is third on the team in minutes? And Isaiah Johnson's serving his second of the suspension. I think he's fifth on the team in minutes or something like that. So yeah. that doesn't help. No, no not, lots of key players out. Um, obviously Thompson too. So lots of players mm-hmm. not there. Uh, but you mentioned it. Pacific away this weekend. Forge at home the following weekend. And Forge at home November 9th. Wraps up the season. Because of Forge's rearranged fixtures, they do play one game at the end that Halifax will be completed. And I think the job has to be that York have to stay in it. They have to have a chance to get into the playoffs on that November 9th night when Halifax are wrapped up. That needs to be the chance, although it has to be said that Halifax can bury them as early as this weekend. If Halifax are able to win this week at Valor and at Forge, Um, if York lose next week against Pacific, uh, then they're done. Uh, if they if that happens to be the case, here's Halifax's schedule: one point ahead with three to play. Valor away midweek, Forge away next weekend, finishing with Ottawa at home on November seventh. Marty, you're our guy on Halifax. It was, um, well, what should we say? A typical <laughs> rainy day in Halifax. Yes. We haven't seen many of these already, uh, and I thought you had a really good way of uh, surmising it on your analysis. So let's do it here on the show. Um, nil nil ended against a fatigued Forge team who came back from Costa Rica. Glass half empty or half full for Halifax on a soggy day at the Wonders Grounds. Your, your, your thoughts? Excuse the water uh, pun there. I think I put <laughs> that. Good. I think I put that in the in the article. I was like, I'm sorry, everybody. I had to go That's there. That's fine. Um, that that I think is it's it's you know obviously the York result today changes that looking back now. Even though it was 24 hours ago, but for me on that day, I still think it was glass half full for the Wanderers. You know, it's another game where they, you know, this time it was Forge. They they ran Forge down, same as they did against Calvary. You know, they didn't concede. They didn't concede against Forge. Um, overall, a good, very sturdy defensive performance. But this is a team that has not scored a goal, um, if, if you don't count an own goal by Abu Samaki against Pacific in four games. Yeah. That's the real counterpoint to this because, as you already mentioned in this run-in, Christian, you know, Valor away – that looks like a winnable game to me, but then it's Forge away and then Ottawa at home. And, you know, at this point, they're going to need a couple wins. They need to start scoring some goals. Yeah. I mean, boy, oh boy. I mean, Morelli, well, I mean it was with, without Joel Morelli, we should mention. Yeah. He, I know. He's not there. And Morelli's still hurt. And yeah. um, by all accounts, and I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think from what I'm hearing, it'd be a bit of a surprise to see him start these away games. Yeah. Uh, Valor this week and Forge. Um, all eyes on Ottawa at home at the end. Yeah. Uh, here's how valuable Jean Morelli's been for Halifax this season. He's scored in eight games this season, and they've got 17 points from those eight games. Uh, 17 points from 17 games when he doesn't. So they're ineffectively <laughs> averaging over two points per game when Morelli scores and one point per game when he doesn't. That's how different they are. He's worth one point per game every time he scores a goal um, to them. It's wild, yeah. I guess it's the true definition of a most valuable player. Um, but they, they're gonna need they're <laughs> gonna need him here, no doubt about it, because they in many ways York have let Halifax hang around, but York's dismal run over the last few games, as we mentioned, has allowed, you know, Halifax to stick around as well, because as you mentioned, Halifax not scoring either. Um, other than that, a pretty, 
what other observations did you take from this, Marty? Particularly, I think Santos was very good in the game. He gets the nod in our team yeah. of the week this week, by the way. Um, and Halifax at least kept the clean sheet. When you're not scoring, they need to be solid at the back, and they've been very good defensively lately. Thinking about rewatching the game and writing down each time a player fell over because uh, it was so wet. It just looked like a slip and slide out there. Don't right. see that very often at that level. Uh, right. So I think that really that really did affect things. And you saw teams just trying to, again, flick the ball over the top, very much like Halifax did against York in that 3-3 game, actually. Just try to just flick it up, try to get it in the air rather than on the ground. Um, yeah, Eric Santos was great shifting over to left in a back four. You know, I think that was done by Stephen Hart to get another body up in the midfield to see if they could try to push on. But still, you know, as it has been really in this season, it's been the players out wide that have been successful for the Wanderers. It was Jeremy Gagnon Lapare on the left this game, and then it was Maury Donor who was playing advanced on the right. Yeah. And they were really perform they were they were performing quite well. But again, it's like, you know, Sam Salter, I like him as a player, but him and Kamara, you know, there's some question marks there about whether or not that was you know, really going to get you the result. Alex Marshall comes in and performed quite well and, and made some magic. And yeah, I mean, again, it just comes down to whether or not they're going to score with or without Morelli at this point. Yeah. So, so what a forge, Benedict, let me turn to you. I think at the moment, what they're living in may well be something that they reflect on more in the past, in the future and say that past was, how did we do it? Right. Because we're asking, you know, we're seeing them go to Costa Rica, playing a massive game in the Cup League, come back, go to Halifax, come back, play in the Canadian Championship semi-final against CF Montreal, carry on playing again next week in the, in, in the, uh, in the Canadian Premier League with a big game at home. Uh, so it's, you know, what, th this, is, um, this is a team that is built to have depth, Benedict, uh, but when they play a game like this, we shouldn't be surprised that it doesn't go their way. Yeah, you can win every game as much as, as they think they can. Um, so they want to, of course, as well. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, playing, they're playing three Technically, four competitions at the moment, and and uh, we, we can't expect them to win every game and, and be at one hundred percent every game. And uh, a nil-nil draw against Halifax, it's, it's not three points, but it's still a point uh, in the middle of a very busy schedule. And I think they'll be pretty happy with it. I think in the end. Yeah, it's interesting to see some of the changes they do making. You know, on the fly, I thought Matusla looks really good again. Yeah. Just raises to another level when he plays centre back. They push Crutzen further forward. That was really interesting to watch. Charlie, final word on this from you before I get to Emily with Calvary Pacific, but I know you were on the game midweek with Costa Rica as well. Yeah, This is a team that didn't play that bad in Costa Rica either, but still a lot on the line here for a team that many people would still say are the favorites to win it all in the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, it's really absurd when you think about it. I think it didn't actually hit me until earlier this week just how this schedule is going to look, you know, as you already right. broke it down, you know, Costa Rica, Halifax, back home to play an MLS team. And then you're back into back into the the CPL and the Concacaf League again. It is absurd, <laughs> really. Yeah. And you know, for them to come through it as well as they are doing, and and as well as they have done. Obviously, the the Costa Rica game was tough. You know, losing four one against a team that was very good. And you know, three one, yeah. Three one, three one. Sorry, I got so many numbers everywhere. That's okay, lots of games going on. You're right. <laughs> three one. So yeah, yeah, three one. <laughs> But yeah, this is a force team that is never very down on themselves. Is never they're never very high on themselves. They always go into every game just being like, "We've got a plan. We're very calm about it." You know, we we've probably been we've had a, a plan in the back of our minds for this game probably for a while now. For each consecutive CPL game, they were all, they're always always thinking ahead, and I think that they're definitely going to be happy with a draw on the road at Halifax because yeah. it was in many in many cases a a matter of you know getting in there 
doing what you can, getting the result. Hopefully, no real injuries or anything come out of it, and you you move on to play Montreal. And you know, I think for the most part, I think they'll be reasonably okay with this. And that's really going to be the impact of this game, right? Chris Nanko came yeah. up, um, Johnny Grant as well. Dom Samuel picked up a yellow. He's going to be suspended for the next game. I know I wrote this on the website, mm-hmm. but Bobby Smirnyonis not exactly happy with losing players at this point in the season, no. which is entirely understandable. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, 41 points on 23 games for Ford third. Only three back of Cavalry, Cavalry with two games in hand. Only one point back of Pacific uh, with two games in hand as well. Um, what a remarkable story developing in Hamilton, Ontario. If they're somehow able to get, despite all of their scheduling challenges, a home playoff game, that is a truly remarkable year for them. And then, by, by the way, look out when that's the only sole focus that they'll have. Um, let's move on to the final game that we're going to cover this week on the show. That was took place early in the week on Thursday night, a top-of-the-table clash in Calgary at Spruce Meadows as Cavalry beat Pacific by two goals to one. Two set-piece goals, one from a header from Dan Klump, and one a barnstorming free kick from David Norman Jr., one of the candidates for the goal of the season so far. Emily, yeah. is it fair to say that even though the scoreline was only 2-1, that it was a lot more dominant for the home team? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but again, it was another CPL thriller for me. Yes, um, you know, love it. The goal's <laughs> coming in for every time. Yeah, every time. I think we're four for four. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Cavalry, I mean, they just came into their house, obviously, um, and they knew exactly what they wanted to do. I know when I spoke to both coaches beforehand, they mentioned that this match, because they know each other so well, it's going to come down to mistakes. And unfortunately for Pacific, that's kind of what happened. But um, that was just a fortress. You know, Cavalry were like, we're at home. They're now unbeaten at home still um, out of the eight games that they've played in Calgary. So it's just been incredible. Definitely one-way traffic. Sean Young got the goal for Pacific, we know. But um, it just it wasn't enough for the leaders at the moment. But now they've been overtaken by the Cavs. So definitely a thriller. It was a tight one. But... I think it was still, yeah, pretty pretty dominant from the hosts. We'll get into Pacific. I want to get all your opinions on them in a second, if it's an over-exaggeration or if it's just a, a little bit of fatigue at the wrong end of the season for them as well. But Emily, who else impresses you for Cavalry in this team? Because Klomp gets a lot of the glory. Yao's been magnificent as well for them, just unbelievably good at the back. Um, but overall, what's your thoughts on some of their players and as they head into what's been, again, two more home games down the stretch, Valor at home, um, you know, c- coming in for them as well before they finish with Pacific away and, and Forge away. Yeah, the one for me was uh, Ben Fisk. I think he's been an incredible addition for Tommy Wilson Jr.'s side. And, you know, Calorie, they have a lot of power on the wings with Fisk and Mo Farsi, but um, a lot of the game was going through Fisk's side of the field. Um, just constantly a threat. Um, and even though he didn't get on the score sheet, he had a hand in most, mostly like every single time that they went forward. Um, mm-hmm. He was always just popping up and I was kind of sitting there watching like, oh, like there he is again. Like he's really going through it for, I think he played the full 90 if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, incredible, incredible game from him. He was the standout for me. There are a couple other names, but I think, yeah, he's just been a great addition for the side. Yeah, good shout. He was your man of the match. Gets a nod in the Gatorade team of the week coming up this week as well. What I like about Fisk is that he's direct. And he's yeah. very, very good on the ball as well. But, Charlie, let me turn to you a little bit. There are some intricacies about this cavalry team that can 
and this is certainly not a criticism, but it can work out in their favor a lot of times, but they do have a tendency to overplay, do they not? And Fisk can really bring that driving right. force that I think can help Mason going forward. Yeah, Cavalry are, are kind of a funny team at times because they, they'll look very different from game to game sometimes. I know, Kristen, you were just saying that they're they're overplaying a little bit, and they do have an element of that sometimes when they're kind of trying to score golazos sometimes when maybe the best thing to do is to just, you know, run forward. And we know that they've got players that can do that, right? Mo Farsi is exceptional when he plays direct and just runs up the wing. But just sometimes sometimes they do have that bit of an inefficient element. I know we've used that word in the past to describe them. They seem to be improving a little in that regard. But overall, just this win for Cavalry, I think they really needed that. You know, not just because you know, the game before was that nil-nil with Halifax, which was really frustrating and can't believe they didn't win that game, but also because, you know, just playing spe- playing against Pacific specifically, they've had some trouble this year, yeah. right? I think Pacific has had the better of them at least twice, and I think there was a nil-nil draw as well. So against a team that, you know, very possibly, almost probably going to see in the playoffs, uh, arguably, hopefully, <laughs> they'll see in the playoffs because that would be a lot of fun, but it's good that they finally found a way to to play against them and to score goals against them because they were pretty ineffective against them, I think, the last three times these two teams met. Yeah, knocked out in the cup at home by them as well. Four right? times, yeah. Yeah, 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 as you, yeah, as you alluded to. So, yeah. um, so what of Pacific? Winners of two of their last eight, unquestionably in the most difficult run um, in the Canadian Premier League of the season so far, maybe at the wrong time, maybe they needed this to wake them up. We know that, obviously... It can be a long season. Emily, you talked to him after the match. Palmer Carr said, quote, I think we didn't start right away. We gave away a very cheap goal on set plays, which we're not very happy with. Quote, continued, we gave away a cheap free quick that led to our second goal. And after that, we were trying to push forward. We'll go back to the drawing board and just learn from our mistakes and move on. We're still going to trust our process and we're still going to learn from the things that we can do better. Two goals from set pieces he won't be happy with. It should be noted, though, that in chasing the game, they brought on Sean Young, who was very good coming on, yeah. and they put Hajabrapur back in centre defence uh, to try and get more ball players. And he was the one who actually pulled down Joe Mason that led to the David Norman free kick. So although it gave away a free kick, it was by design that Cavalry led to, to really the problems that Pacific had there as well. Are we concerned about Pacific? I have to ask Mr. Pacific himself, Mr. Thompson. What do you think? <laughs> Me? Oh, yeah. Um, I Oh, yeah, because I picked them. Uh, I am not concerned because I think this is a team that you kind of already were reading it there with with uh, trying to read through Pamanukas' quote. This is a team that um, that is very much made in, in his ilk. And he's, you know, we've had players go there like Manny Aparicio, for example, that are that are drawn to his kind of leadership. I think at this point, it's about just trying to steady the ship and trying to go through this rough patch and see if they can come out the other side. They're not going to do anything different. They're Pacific specific. They're going to keep just doing themselves. And I think, I believe that they're going to come out with it um, on the other side. Okay. But uh, I mean, I am Mr. Pacific after all. You're allowed to be positive (laughs) and I, I, I will agree with your positivity, but I'll say this. What a big week ahead. No. Yes. Edmonton at home. Yeah. York at home. This time next week when we're talking about this podcast, we'll be feeling very differently about them, either positively or negatively, yeah, right? Because this time next week, we'll yeah. have a very good, clear idea whether they're going to be playing a home playoff game. Yeah. And this team needs to play a home playoff game. And there's lots of reasons for it, of course, because they want to win. 
Also, after rewarding a season where they've played so well and been top for the most of it, they need a home playoff game. They need to reinvigorate that crowd going again because they want to have another moment like that, a big home playoff game as well. So they just they need to get six points probably out of the next two games, yeah. Benedict. Let me turn to you a little bit. To turn this around, and if they were able to get to 48 with one to play, I think they're going to think maybe that might be a little bit too much for Ford to catch us up with, with all these games going. They need to win these games, no? Yeah, I think obviously they need the home playoff game, as you said, but also uh, a little bit of, of a confidence boost. against to show the other teams they need business as well. He said they've had a bit of a tough patch in, in the mind games of beating two teams, especially one of the teams in the hunt for a playoff game in York. Uh, I think to, to beat those two would prove they mean business, and uh, especially to get Marco Bustos going, of course, as well. That just adds another element to them. And uh, yeah, I think six points is, is going to be the expectation and, and also the, the goal for them for sure. And they have more than one eye on the TFC game as well, oh, yeah. which comes yeah. right after that. Uh, yeah. We mentioned it last week on the show. It should be said, Bustos came on, and there was uh, the fearsome foursome there. There was a sighting with mm-hmm. Bustos on the pitch alongside <laughs> the front three uh, of, yep. her, of her Diaz and Campbell. And actually, they were at their best, I thought, when they were on the pitch. Obviously, they're chasing the mm-hmm. game, so you can't really evaluate the game from the solo sh- from that point on. But um, they were the quotes I read. Overall, though, um, what were the emotions like? Emily from Palmadou Car was he as level-headed as he often was, not panicking too much. What did you think of him after the match? Yeah, I think he was obviously very disappointed uh, just with the result, obviously. But yeah, I think level-headed is a good way to put it, Christian. Um, he wasn't too overly emotional about the result. He wasn't um, he wasn't lashing out or anything or calling anybody out specifically. Um, so. I think he's just going to take this, kind of analyze it, settle in. The two games at home coming up are going to be massive. They're very good at home, as we know. And then they have Cavalry again away. So it's going to be interesting to see if the same thing happens or depending on how the home games go first, are they going to be able to flip the tie back in their favor? Because going into that match, this all-time series was split down the middle, just looking at Mm -hmm. CPL games. So if Pacific win the next one, then it's level again. Um, and that'll be a really, really big boost for them late in the season if they can get a win away at Cavalry. Um, but you know what? I think he's just going to approach it very level-headed, like you said. Charlie, last thought from you on Pacific. Is it not getting to the time now where Palmer Ducar has to try and find what is his best team? Because there's still so yeah. many players, particularly in that front six, that can play in different roles. Yeah, it's interesting because they haven't really had their best their best 11 players fit at the same time really many times this season and you know they've still been on the top of the table for a lot of it uh so it's interesting there isn't a whole lot of time to experiment is probably the problem for for pamaduka and the pacific guys at this point you know it's it's the result first and you know figuring out the the style or your performance that has to be secondary at this point, you know, as much as you, as a coach, you'll always talk about, you know, you want to see the performance, you want to see your team do things right from the training pitch that, you know, you've been working on. But at this point, I think you just go, you have to go with the players that are in form. You have to go with the players that have been delivering recently. And there's really not a lot of time to, to play around with things that, that haven't been working. You know, Pacific have been fairly consistent with their formations and the style of play that they've had at times this year. Uh, which is another good thing, especially for a team that's had players coming in and out of the 11. So that'll be a benefit for them down the stretch here. But yeah, I think Marty said it earlier, you know, Pacific are Pacific. And, and that's that's something that Pamaduka says a lot in almost almost every... Or we, we are who we are. We know who we are. 
Um, but it's true, though. It's true. There, there's it something is. to it's, it, right? You know, it's 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 a it's a turn of phrase that is used used a lot sometimes. But it is true for Pacific. They have a, a clear identity, and they're not really going to be able to stray from it if they really do intend on getting this home playoff game and making some noise in those playoffs. What is truly brilliant for us neutrals who cover the league is that. Cavalry Pacific Forge could finish one, two, or three in any yeah. order still. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's so exciting with three weeks left and a lot of the season left to go. And I know Forge have got yeah. more games to play, but um, we couldn't have asked for more, by the way, with that yeah. and another race between Halifax and York. Uh, throw in Valor? Probably not. Although Phil DeSantos <laughs> will tell us we must throw them in until they are completely out of it. Valor sixth in the table, 28 points, 125. Six, point ba- six points back of Halifax, five points back of York. With all three games, with all three teams with three games to play. Here's what's to come this week. Valor at home to Halifax in a seriously must-win game at IG Field on Tuesday night at 8:30 Eastern Time. Pacific against Edmonton is the doubleheader that night, the same night the Canadians play. Um, the Canadian women's team, 10:30 p.m. Eastern in a massive game for Pacific at Starlight Stadium out west. On Wednesday, the Canadian Championship semi-final. Forge take on CF Montreal of Major League Soccer at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, that should be a fantastic game, and we'll have more coverage around that this week. Lots of coverage on campl.ca coming up, including live shows this week. And on Saturday, three games, a triple header of Canadian Premier League action. It starts again in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field. Forge versus Halifax. Cavalry take on Valor, and then the come-on match of the week is the nightcap Pacific against York. Certainly not a nightcap out west, a 3 o'clock game Eastern there. Uh, before we wrap up, team, tell me a game aside from the CanChamp game. Uh, that you're looking forward to in the Canadian Premier League, and then we'll give it a bit of Canchamp love at the end. Uh, Benedict, the game you're looking forward to the most this week? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of narrative and, and storylines, it has to be Valor and Halifax. I think uh, it's a chance for Halifax to maybe put the nail in the coffin for Valor, but also uh, put a lot of pressure on York as well. And, and uh, again, like you saying, the, the words show they mean business, but uh, I think a, a win against Valor would, would definitely do that and uh, kind of major implications on the rest of the season. Certainly would put enormous pressure on York as well, knowing Halifax play twice before York play again. Charlie? Yeah, I'm going to go with that last Pacific and York game on on Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a lot of fun. Both teams with a lot on the line. Both teams are basically going to be like, we have to win this game. It's going to be fun. And you, Emily, what do you think? I have to agree with Charlie. There's a lot on the line for both teams. And... There's a lot to lose for both teams too. So it's going to be yes. interesting. I think I focus it more on that that point. Who's going to lose the most, I guess. Marty, I know you're not a follower, <laughs> so I don't expect you to go with that one. What do you think? I'm going to go with Forge and Halifax on the Saturday because Halifax will have beaten uh, Valor at midweek and then they'll go into to <laughs> Hamilton and win again. <laughs> there we go. Wow, love it. All right, uh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> predictions as well. That's a good, you know, Marty gives yeah, I, I, it's not decent predictions. Yeah, why not? Why not? I, I, I feel good. That. I feel good about this Halifax team. I'm glass half full, remember? Good for you. All right, last question, and this is not on the rundown, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. Uh, Benedict, I'll turn to you first. What will it take for Forge to knock off CF Montreal, the Major League Soccer, and reach the Canadian Championship final on Wednesday. What will it take for Forge to do that? Uh, winning the Battle of the Schwaniers. I think, you know, uh, you know uh, David's uh, a big big game player. He's, he's proven that in CONCACAF uh, as well as in the CPL sometimes. And I think uh, if they win that battle, he, he might come up big with a goal and, and uh, maybe put some pressure on Montreal. 
Brilliant answer. And uh, travel safe back from Ottawa, uh, Benedict. Fantastic answer. I love that. And by the way, the Chouinier brothers will be joining us this week on our Camp PL Media here this week, uh, talking to our very own Marty Thompson, who I'll go to next. What's it going to take, my friend, for Forge to knock off CF Montreal? Mobile Bully to get lost in the box for about five seconds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That'll be enough. He'll, he'll, he'll do the back heel like he did against Halifax, and then they'll go through. There you go. Just watch. Emily? Yeah, I'm going to be kind of critical here to rely less on Kyle Becker. Ah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Like, there you go. He has been a big game player for them so often. Charlie, what about you? Yeah, see, I really want the Kyle Becker revenge game. <laughs> have him, <laughs> yes, that's have, have him be all over Montreal. I think really yeah. for Forge, just, they've got to be Forge. You know, I think I think back to what Bobby Smirniota said about Canada going into the Azteca and playing football. I think that's what they're going to do against Montreal here. They're not going to park the bus. Absolutely not. They're gonna they're gonna come out and they're gonna play football, and I'm very excited to see that. Love that. I love that too, and that's what I think. Keep the ball down, play your style. I want to see yeah. Kwame Awua if he's playing, come inside and play midfield. I want to see Alexander Yoshioni Onsen coming and splitting a back two, and Krutzen playing yeah. the ball forward, and Cisse running everywhere. Becca delivering brilliant dead ball set pieces and play their own style. And then at least if it doesn't go their way, they gave it their best. With all these games coming thick and fast in all these different time zones, I just hope that the fans of Major League Soccer watching this game will see the best of Forge. Because yeah. when we watch them and we know they're at their best, um, as I was talking to a few people in Ottawa this week, then when Forge came in, very complimentary of the way this team is playing in all facets of the game so far and all across different regions. So fingers crossed for that. What a week we've got. And then this time next week, we will once again be recapping massive games in the Canadian Premier League and previewing another Canadian Championship game between an MLS team and a CPL team as Pacific will this time next week be flying to Toronto to take on TFC in the second match of the Canadian Championship semifinals. Team, this has been brilliant as always. Great work. And as usual, catch everybody's work on campl.ca. All the write-ups and previews will be there to do that as well. Have a good week, everybody. Travel safe home, Benedict. I'll be there with you as well. We'll catch up soon and enjoy the matches. See you soon.